So Scotty should be back next week. We're going to carry on the topic of what we things we need to remember. I'm going to date myself now, but first I'll to give you the title of the message today. It's the Lord's Army. That's the title of the message, the Lord's Army. And the text reference, if you brought your copy of God's Word, is going to be found in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Back in uh, 1963, I was 8 years old. So you're going to be doing the math now for a few minutes. And that was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And there were the drum beats of war going on then. I remember as a kid being concerned because on our black and white TV. And Scotty, we had TV when I was growing up. He, he said he didn't have it. Till, but they had a circle on, showed the United States of America in this circle, and they showed where the fallout would be if Cuba launched a, a, a missile to us. And I was eight years old, and I was wondering what my neighbors were doing over there digging that big hole, and they brought this, this bomb shelter in. Eventually, we just would light firecrackers in it, you know. <laughs> made a good sound. But the drum beats of war right now are going on as far as we know. I mean, anymore, our lines of information have narrowed. Our fourth estate, the newspaper business, is going downhill. It's very, you newspapers used to be very, very important. Our leaders of the past would read several copies of the newspa- different newspapers every day trying to get what's really going on. But what we understand now, the drum beats of war going on right now in Eastern Europe and something to be concerned about. But I will tell you this right now. And there, oh, there was a song to go along with that. As eight-year-old, we had music class in, in elementary school, and they'd line us up. It's like getting in line for the milk. You know, you have your milk money. But they'd get us in line, and we'd march into the auditorium at North Kickapoo. That was in Springfield. It's now called Disney. And we would have our, our piano. The music teacher would be there, and They'd pass out the books, the song books. And my favorite song at this time was about a caisson. Now, I really didn't know what that was. I do now. It's, it's like a little cart, two-wheeled cart. They used that in World War I to carry ammunition to the front lines. And then they would load the dead bodies on there and take the dead bodies out. That's why you see presidents in their funerals on a cart, two-wheeled cart that's called a caisson. And that's why we see that. But their song, if you know it, you can sing it with me. And when we get to the refrain, uh, the second part, it, go, uh, it goes, and then their high, high, he. I used to really belt that out in the elementary school. But it, it, it did something to me. It comforted me to know that, that, you know, the United States of America is the most powerful country ever. And I, I believe that then and I believe it now. Anyway, so... Here's the song that used to bless me as a kid. Over hill, over dale, as we hit the dusty trail, and the caissons go rolling along. In and out, hear them shout, counter marching right about, as the caissons go rolling along. Here we go. Then it's high, high, he in the field artillery. Shout out your numbers loud and strong. Two, three, four, where'er you go, you will always know that the caissons go rolling along. Now, eight-year-old boy with the drumbeat of war, with the drumbeat of war going on, right now, there is a war already going on. It's a horrific battle and it's spiritual. And what we must remember is that we have an enemy. 
And we need to remember who he is and what he does and how he does it. Now, here's what I know. I see an escalation. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that the devil knows his time short. So he's amping up his desire to destroy lives, marriages, people. But I also saw something. Now, right now, the weather's kind of had a problem. But I've last week, I don't know if you know this, but I kind of keep an eye on guests or visitors, whatever you want to call them, because I want to go talk to them. And I want to pray for them all week. I don't see them back this week, but I'm, they're going to come back. And there's an escalation of spiritual awakening. People are searching now because of the drumbeat of war. They need hope. So we're in a battle as, as Christians and followers of Christ. We need to understand something and remember something. The church, we together, is unstoppable. It wins. It claims victory. It's unstoppable. The Lord Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. However, however, we see the enemy's tactics. And he wants us to get in a rut spiritually. He wants to divide churches. The Bible says the Lord hates a lying tongue and one who brings discord among the brethren. You better not be gossiping. But that destroys churches, right? But there's a song that I remember when I first started in ministry. I was 37 when I got baptized and I started serving, as Larry was talking about. And I was serving with the children. And boy, we had a lot of children we were, our, we were down in the laundry department. Uh, this was a church plant of Ridgecrest. We were down in the laundry room, and we had two kids, or three sometimes on a big day. And, but I'd get those kids, and I'd get them behind me, and I'd march. And I'd say, we're onward Christian soldiers, and I'd be marching with them. Now, I want you to listen to this. If you know the song, you can sing along with me. I am not a singer, okay? Onward, Chris. I need your help because I, I get lost in this. Okay. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus. Going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle. See his banner go. Dun, 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 dun. Christian soldiers marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. That encourages a Christian. That encourages us in the battle. Because we see that if we're following Christ, we're going to see the battle. Now, I want to read what Peter told the churches. This is a general letter to all the churches, not to a specific church, but he wrote this letter to the churches. And he wants them to know what to remember about our enemy and how we can stand against him and stand unstoppable. And when the dust settles and Jesus comes back, oh man, those who are dead will rise up to meet him in the air and then those that are alive will follow right up in there. We'll be dancing in the air shouting glory. So here we are in Peter, 1 Peter, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Capitulo 5 y versito, uh, versiculo 8. I've been down to Cuba three times, so there. Okay, so here we go. This is important. This really is because it is a, it is a raging battle right now. We can see it 
right before us. Look at the look at the escalation of immorality in this country. I mean, come on, man. Back, I'd never seen anything like it when I was growing up. I mean, oh, anyway, I won't go off on that. Verse eight: Be self-controlled. Your Bible might use the word "be sober-minded" and alert or vigilant. So, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, it is personal. It's not just Mark's enemy, it's your enemy. The devil, means accuser or adversary or opponent, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking or seeking for someone to devour. That word devour means to bite or swallow in one swallow. Like I eat a McDonald's hamburger. Verse 9. Now we're going to get some application. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Listen to these verses now. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you had suffered a little while, will himself, it's personal, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. And God's people said, We are unstoppable force. We must remember our enemy, know who He is, what He does, how He does it. But also remember that we win if we get out in the battlefield and we stand firm. Now, here's what we do. First thing, application. Be on the lookout. That's what He's saying in verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Be on the lookout. Be watching. The Bible uses a word to help us with understand this. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, I believe it is. The instructor, the writer says, walk circumspectly. Walk means to live your life. Circumspectly is not a very common word, is it? But you're going to learn about it today and you can start using it and impress your friends. Circum means to go around. Circumnavigate the globe. Speck is where we get our word spectacle from. A sight or to see. Spectacles. So, Be looking and observing all around your daily life as you go through it. Walk circumspectly. Know your enemy as you walk circumspectly. And here Peter tells the folks about the enemy. There's three things about him I'm going to point out. He's incessant, he's arrogant, and he's strategic. Let's look at this, how he's incessant. Go back to your Bible. Your enemy, this is verse 8. The devil, that word again, is, he's a, there's a lot of things about him. He's a schemer. He's a tempter. He's a liar. He's a thief. He prowls around. He's constantly on the lookout for prey. He's not sleeping. He's not like your kitty cat at home nestled up on your bed. He is out searching and seeking for weakness, for the weakness and for the prey. He's incessant. I tell you what, man. It's like I used that quote a couple weeks ago on Thursday night. Pastor Ronnie Floyd said this. If you're not bumping heads with the devil every day, you're probably going in his direction. He's constantly going to be beating on you. But I'll give you some application. I will. I promise. If I don't, then forgive me. Remember, it's personal. He's arrogant. He says here, he goes about like a roaring lion. Wait a minute, he's making himself known? I always thought of that. He's roaring, he's making himself known. Why? 
to send a shiver up your neck. I went to the Animal Safari Paradise, whatever they call it now. Animal Safari, is that? Thank you very much, Bob. I'm going to give you a nickname. Barefoot. Yeah. Anyway, I took the kids, I took the grandkids out to uh, that safari. I can't get it. Exotic Animal Paradise. Took the kids, the grandkids out there a couple years ago. They loved it. We went through two times. Just all I got to say about it is when you come up to the Texas Longhorn section, roll up your windows because they got tongues out. Their tongues are eight feet long and they get in there and they slobber all over the place. I'm serious. It's true. Anyway, so before we took the drive, I'm watching, they have two lions and I'm watching those and I'm thinking, is that fence, is that good fence? Is that safe? Because they're big. And they're fast. And they, they like to bite. I really was concerned. I'm serious. Can I get out of there? I, I want to get my car. When we're at the Texas Longhorn section, I hear a long ways away a roar. And it sent that hair up on the back of my neck. That's what the devil wants to do. Yes, he's incessant, but his arrogance wants to instill fear in us. Even right now, so, oh, I don't want to talk about the devil. I don't believe in the devil. You want to avoid the fact of what the scriptures say that he's real? My first introduction to the devil was on a, a poison, uh, on a bottle about. Anyway, as a little kid, I, I remember seeing this guy dressed in red with the tail with a pitchfork. That ain't the devil. He's beautiful. But he wants to instill fear in you and me. That's what he does. Here's the problem. When he instills fear in us and worry, and he's choke, that word worry means to choke or strangle us out. Our mind and our lives are in such an uproar, we can't hear the roar. And that's when we become prey. Remember, be on the lookout, be self controlled and alert, incessant. He's arrogant, but he's strategic. Where it says in the text, I'm not. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. His strategy is to capture, to get his prey, to kill it. Have you ever seen a cat killing prey? Oftentimes what they'll do is the strategy for the devil is to go to your weak spot. And cats will get their prey. And yes, they'll bite on the back of the neck and and sever the spinal column. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear on Sunday morning? But... But they'll also get and, and claw at the underbelly when they can get to it. And that's what the devil, he's a strategizer. He's a, screen, a schemer. He's a tempter. And he's going to find your weak underbelly and he's going to claw at it and try to destroy you. Now, I'm going to give you some application, I promise. Don't have fear. Don't be afraid because the church is unstoppable. We win in Christ. The devil has to flee when Jesus tells him to. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the Lord. He is the master, okay? We need to be aware of this. What does a lookout do when he sees the enemy? Uh, My picture of looking out right now is the the old Disney Alamo, you know. and uh, I used to watch Disney on Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Anybody else? Yeah, and then uh, Davy Crockett, Davy, Davy Crockett, came to the wild frontier. Anyway, so at the Alamo, they'd be walking, they'd be looking out, they're looking. What do they do when they see the enemy? Oh, hi, it's, it's Santa Anna, welcome. No, they alert, they cry out. They take action. 
Again, I'm going to date myself, and I'm probably going to get in trouble, but that's okay. But I think it's a travesty that we have to pay to camp down there at Table Rock Lake. Because when I, in the 60s, we could just pack up our 12-foot aluminum V-bottom boat, 20-horsepower mercury. Me and my brother had it all ready to go, and we'd pile in, the whole family, my three, two brothers and my sister, and we'd uh, head on down to Mill Creek. Our camping spot better not be in it. And so, and, my, and by the way, I was thinking today uh, that my dad taught me how to tie a fisherman's knot before I could walk. That's kind of, we were outdoors people. We were fishermen. And so one day we had, we're down there camping, Mill Creek. We had uh, caught a mess of crappie, and I was, Rick and I were scaling them. We didn't uh, fillet them. We scaled them and uh, gutted them out. That was fun, throwing that at each other. You know how that is. But it's getting about twilight. It's closing in on twilight. And we're working away, and, and all of a sudden I hear a blood-curdling scream. This is, this is your application for this. It was my mom. And so Rick and I dropped everything, and we, we ran up. It was over by the boat dock. Mom was coming down. And we, when we got up there, my dad was up there with her, and he, had, he was stepping on something, had his heel on something. And it was a copperhead that big, about that big around. <laughs> I'm, I'm a kid, so it's really big. And Dad, he, he won't take his heel off of that for a while. We're standing there, and we're poking at it, you know, Rick and I. And he finally takes his heel off. i got to tell you this. And it, it looked like it was venom soothing out. And we were poking at it. Is it venom looking at you? But the point is, is when my mom screamed, when she saw the enemy, she screamed. And in came my dad, and he saved the day. And that's the same thing we do when he's after our, uh, our underbelly, the incessant arrogant, strategic enemy. When he tries to get us, we cry out to Jesus, Jesus, help me. And he'll do it. He'll come down and he will put his foot in the matter. I believe it. I do. So cry out to Jesus. He's the rescuer. He is the deliverer. He is our Savior. Yes, we get saved. We cry out to Him, Lord, save my soul. Forgive me my sins. But then every day, I need rescue at times. I don't know about you. And the enemy, the devil, knows my weak spot. And he's trying to get me turned over so he can claw my belly. No. Jesus, come in now. Come in now. Come in to help me now. And he will show up, I promise you. And here's a great truth you've got to get. After the testing comes the blessing. Don't forget that. All right. Second thing. After be on the lookout, stand firm in the faith. It's right there in the text. I don't need to add or subtract anything to it. It just says right there. Like, he goes about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Listen to me. The devil has a lot of weapons in his arsenal. Some of the most predominant ones would be fear, worry. I've talked about that. We have one weapon in our arsenal. It is the great... Listen. It's, it can't be matched. There aren't words to express the wonder of our weapon. It's the Word of God. The Bible calls the Word of God the sword of the Spirit. Jeremiah says this about the Word of God. My Word is like a fire. Well, God says to Jeremiah, isn't my Word like a fire? Like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? Now, I'm going to give you some application too about how to stand firm in the faith with that sword of the Spirit. I'm talking about snakes again. Because that's the way the devil made himself known there in the garden, right? But snake. And I live out 
in near Mark Twain Forest. Not I can see Chadwick. I can see them from where I live. Uh, if I get in a high spot, I can see their water tower. And you know there's a lot of copperheads out there in that area. And also a lot of pygmy rattlers. They're not very big snakes. But they can kill a dog because they killed my neighbor's dog by biting him. So I figure if they can kill a dog, they can hurt me. I'm not a dog, but they can make me sick. But anyway, so what do I do when I go out walking around my yard? Ask Sandy. I've got a three-wood golf club. And I take it because God's Word's like a hammer. God's Word is a sword. You know, Thor, I'm gonna, I use that in the last one. He's a Marvel uh, character, you know, comic book character. And he's got this hammer. And he just hits the ground. He'll hit the ground. And that's what the Word of God does. So I take that club and I hit the ground. And you know what? Why I do that? Because snakes feel the vibration. And they flee. I've never seen a snake as I've been doing that. In Copperhead country. God's Word. As you walk along with the hammer. And you invoke the Word when you're tempted. And Jesus did when He was tempted. Three times he was tempted. He invoked the word. He called him, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And then the, he rebuked the devil, and eventually the devil left. Use the hammer in your life. Use it. Hammer time. Where did I hear that before? I don't know. Uh, fine, on this, I've got, I've got just enough time here. On this, stand firm in the faith. I want to add one more thing. And I will tell you one of the great problems in our Christian American culture is what we call biblical illiteracy. And we just really don't know what's in the Bible. We don't know the Word. We don't know the promises in the Bible. But, oh, there's so many wonderful stories in the Bible. There's a scene in Second Chronicles that's in the Old Testament, chapter 20. I encourage you to read about the King Jehoshaphat. You ever hear that? Yeah. My grandma, she her, her she used to say, Well, jumping Jehoshaphat. Orlando Goshen. And my and so my mom said, Do you hear your grandma over there? I said, Yeah. She goes, That's how you cuss right there. <laughs> so you'll hear me say, Well, jumping junipers, that's one of mine. I made that up. Yeah. But in that story of Second Chronicles, verse 20. There's a vast army coming down on God's people. Jehoshaphat, here's the news. There's a vast army coming. What are we going to do? And the first thing they do is have a prayer meeting. The very last part of that prayer meeting, Jehoshaphat says this, if I can remember it. Oh, yeah, this is so important. Stand firm. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Friends, that's in the Bible. Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes, they're on you. And then God responds to that prayer, sends a prophet, says, here's what God says to do. You go out into the battlefield and you stand firm and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Stand firm and watch the deliverance of the Lord. That's how you stand firm. You, you trust and you expect the victory. Because you know the battle is not yours, this is what God said, but it's mine. And there's nobody, nothing that can stand up against our God. 
He's creator. He's king. He's majestic. He's mighty. He's splendorous. He's our savior, Jesus. And he's the king of kings. And nothing could impede his plan or him. Oh, he's coming too. We must remember that. And we're going to, oh, that's exciting sermon series ahead. Tell your friends, neighbors, and countrymen about it. Finally, I got one more thing. I need. I have five minutes to cover it, but there's not another service after this one, so I'll just slow down. The Lord's army is unstoppable. How do we stay unstoppable? We be on the lookout. We stand firm in the faith. And finally, the final thing is be an encouragement to others. In the text here, you'll see in verse ten that he, I'm sorry, verse nine. We stand firm because we know that our brethren, other Christians throughout the world, are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We're dealing with the same type of assault, the same type of attacks, the same type of strategy that the enemy uses. But I thought and prayed about what's the main suffering that many of our brethren are experiencing throughout the world? You know what it is? It's persecution. I've been to Cuba three times. Did you know you can't communicate with anybody in Cuba right now? They've closed everything. Cuba does not want Christianity. They do everything they can do. They will not allow you to build any new buildings for churches. They only allow you to build up down there. You can't build out. So they started home churches. But then in each neighborhood, there is a paid person by the government to keep an eye on the Christians and to do everything they can to persecute them. Pastor Samuel, the pastor I went down and visited with and served with, his daughter was persecuted at school. She was a wonderful student, but the teachers there were told by the government to give her grief. There are people standing out front of other churches. We went and visited other churches, and they will throw their trash in the church grounds. They do it because they're told to do it. There's persecution in Cuba. I'm here to tell you that communism doesn't work. I'm here to tell you that. If you think socialism or communism is the way to go, it ain't the way to go. Go down to Cuba and watch them and see what's going on. But you know what? God can't stop what's going on down there. I mean, sorry, the enemy can't stop what's going on down there because God's working in such amazing ways that people are coming to Christ by the droves. Last time I was down there, I baptized 12 people. There's persecution in China. China is one of the biggest persecutors. They're liars. It's a godless country. But there's so many Christians there, and they're doing great things. They're memorizing the Bible. Because the Bibles are taken away from them, so they memorize it. So they know the Word of God. Because they believe in the Word of God, and they believe that all they have to do is stand firm and watch the battle, because it's the Lord's, not theirs. And He'll come through. He will come through. What if we have a billion Chinese Christians? Oh, my goodness, wouldn't that be fantastic? We'll still beat them in skating, though. Be an encouragement. His tactic... He wants to go after the churches. And I'm going to knock on wood. Okay. Hey, I can actually play a tune on my head. But that's for another day. Yeah. But the enemy, seriously, he wants... He's escalating and trying to divide churches. And I'm here to tell you, be an encouragement, not a slanderer. Be an encouragement, not a gossip. Be an encouragement, not a liar. God hates a lying tongue. God hates the one that brings discord among the brethren. I don't want to be that person. Encourage. Now, where do I see that? Well, here's right there in that text I just pointed out to you. Now, how do I do it? What do I want you to think about? 
the importance of being an encouragement. There is, in the Civil War time, and I'm just about out of time, but I'm very proud of my heritage. Uh, my great-great-grandfather was Robert Morrison Hendershot. He was born in Ohio. He was in the Civil War. He enlisted at 18 years old in 1862 in the Ohio 122nd Volunteer Infantry. He saw 40 skirmishes he mustered out in 1865, July 26th. I know all this because I, of, of his uh, obituary was written in 1936. He lived to be really old, 92. Oldest guy in the county. When he died, they said, this is the oldest guy in the county. He lived in his house all, uh, until he died. But one thing about that obituary, what it said was, he was a fifer. He played the fife. They used to use drums, bugles, and fifes to convey information on the battlefield. Okay? But, anyway, let me finish about Grandpa. Great, great Grandpa. He had, I actually have the Civil War fife in my possession. My mom entrusted it to me because I'm the most trustworthy child. <laughs> Love you, Rick. I really do. But out of those skirmishes, the last one that he was at was just before Appomattox. And he was there as a fifer at Appomattox when Lee surrendered. So the fife that I have is very precious to us. My grandpa was there. But what's important to know, get back, because I think that I'm very proud of that. He was a brave person. And thanks be to the Lord, through 40 skirmishes, he made it as a fifer, which was a dangerous job. And I'm here. I am here because of grandpa. But anyway, the, over the fog of war and the noise of war, they couldn't hear the fifer or the drummer. But it was the color bearer. It was the one carrying the flag. They're the ones that the enemy wanted to get. They didn't take a weapon in with them to the fight, except on some flags you'll see a tip or a point on the end of the flag. That was their weapon that they would use. But they didn't let that flag drop, and they did what they were commanded to do with that flag so the regiment leader or the general could see where all the regiments were, and he could send couriers down there to place them where he needed them in the fight. And so the banner was imperative to win the fight. And you are the banner. You are the person that stands firm above the fray. I'm a follower of Christ. He's the King of kings. Send me, Lord. Send me. Here I am. God's army, the Lord's army, is unstoppable. Oh, Christian soldiers. Well... Finally, what I'm going to say is this. I'm not much of a horse person, but I want to be. That's on my bucket list. So eventually I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to ride all your horses. No, I won't. I'll, just, I'll give you some feed, though, if you, you know, anyway. But I watch Heartland. Good, you don't know what it is. But it's, anyway... On this, uh, I learned about what it means to join up on that in horsemanship. And I'm not an expert on it, and I could be wrong. But nobody's corrected me yet, because I've preached two services before this one. But what, you get a horse, and you get him in the round pen, and you're going around with it, right? Getting it. And I think you're trying to exert some type of dominance or something, or you know, showing them who's the boss. But then, and using body language, I believe it is. But then after a while, you'll, the person will stop and then turn away and walk away a little bit, then stop. 
And the horse will come up, and sometimes that's when they nudge them or touch them. And that's called when the horse says, I don't want to be alone, I want to be with you. Is that correct? So my point is about how are you with Jesus? Have you joined up? You know, dear one, there is a battle going on for souls. Something that breaks my heart is when I hear about massacres like Sandy Hook and innocents being killed. I wonder, were they saved? Had they joined up? Because that's what the war is about. It's souls and eternity. Yeah, we celebrate our eternity. Let's join up. Let's get in the fray. Because we know that we're unstoppable. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we join together now in prayer as a congregation. Very thankful. Very blessed. I thank you for the leadership of this of Sock River Cowboy Church. I do. You're so amazing how you orchestrate things and put things together and work everything together for the good according to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I thank you for the diligence, perseverance, patience of this congregation. We want to be in the fray, Lord. We want to fight for you. Show us the way this week. Remind us to be on the lookout to walk circumspectly. Remind us of that. Remind us to stand firm in the faith, for the battle's not mine, it's yours. And nothing can beat you. And help me, Lord, as I go through to be an encouragement, to speak positive, kind, edifying, building up words. May each and every one of us have a blessed week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.